The new patriot believes with all their heart that their ideologies will help all people. However, patriots refrain from personal ridicule, demonization, and otherwise belittling their ideological opponents. Instead, they proceed down a scarcely trodden path of civil discourse, respectful debate, and personal befriending of the ideological counterparts. If one is so impassioned that they seek to enter the realm of civil discourse to test and defend their values, then they are worthy of your honest association, regardless of any ideological disparities. The new patriot understands that publicly degrading others will never, never yield more freedom, and privately degrading them will never yield more personal power influence. These types of fruitless interactions only serve to harden our heads and our hearts, while softening and even invalidating the hard-fought production of others in the Liberty Movement. This is Live Free and Grow, a podcast from the Remzo Republic with your host, Jason Carrier. Jason Carrier, and my guest today is Emin Christensen. She is a writer, a food blogger, and an alcoholic enabler. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, she's written several books on how to brew cider, beer, kombucha, soda, and um, I'm impressed with her work, and I just wanted to share her time with you guys. So Emma, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, and thanks. Welcome, or thank you for having me on the show. I mean, uh, I'm really happy to be here. Um, a little bit, a little bit about myself. Um, I, um, as you say, I love homebrewing. Um, I love homebrewing pretty much anything. Um, I'm kind of a nerd at heart, so you tell me like, oh, you can just ferment things: yeast, sugar, fruit. You know, just. Go from it. I, I, my, my brain goes crazy, and I just get really excited about all the possibilities, all these little projects that I can do at home. Um, so, yeah, I started um, a couple years ago. Gosh, maybe like even 10 years ago now. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that long, but I think it actually has been. Um, some friends of mine brewed beer. They brought some beer to a party I was having, and they were like, hey, here's my home brew. And I just, it blew my mind. Like, I had no idea that you could actually make your own beer at home that actually tasted like beer, you know, tasted like something you would actually want to drink. So the next time they brewed beer, they invited me over, I brewed with them, and that was it. Like, that, I was done after that. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this. I'm, I, tell me more. I want to know everything. Um, so that's kind of how I got my start. And then from there, I discovered cider, I discovered soda, kombucha, and just kind of, you know, the whole gamut of everything you can brew at home. <laughs> yep, that's me. That's outstanding. No, uh, it's funny. It's like, you know, I obviously found your book, True Brews Online. I've been working through the recipes. And awesome. I like the way you do uh, the small batch as kind of a training because when I, you know, I have some friends who are home brewers and they're like, no, you need five gallons and $8 million worth of equipment and solid steel <laughs> tanks and um, and that just doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know, if, if it's yeah. a hobby you're trying to play with and get into, you want to start small. And uh, I, will yeah. tell you, I will tell you, your homebrew sodas were a massive hit. The ginger ale, the uh, awesome. cream soda. I did I did jump the gun on the fermentation process. I waited three days. I thought it was hard enough, and it came out, and it, taste, it was flat, and it tasted like oh. a, a ginger sugar water. 
But all right, <laughs> I may have put another alcohol, a little bit of alcohol in it, made a good mixer, and then I, I left it. I came back like a week later, and I was like, my God. I opened it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I is it's both frustrating about fermentation and also amazing is that it's kind of unpredictable. Like, you know, on average at room temperature, something like a ginger ale, any other soda will ferment and become carbonated in, you know, a day, one to three days, say. But sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes your house is a little cold or sometimes your house is too hot. Like there are all these factors that play into how fermentation happens. And sometimes you just got to be patient. Sometimes it fails completely and you try to learn whatever you can and move on and try it again. And it succeeds the next time. It's, it's a, it's a process. Uh, and it's not, it's not predictable. And yeah, that's, I love it and (laughs) get frustrated by it on a regular basis. Yeah. No worries. Now I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun with it actually. And, um, that's awesome. Cause, uh, I have bees and I'm, you know, I feed my bees sugar water. So I was like, well, I can make sugar water and soda and I'm not worried about the chemicals that are in it. I'm not worried about yeah. all that stuff. And it's really, it's like I said, it's a lot of fun. And my kids, you know, my wife and kids love it. So yeah, they, that's they, awesome. What's, what's your favorite thing to brew? Oh man. So in terms of like a non-alcoholic brew, I make kombucha all the time. Like I, I have a batch going constantly and when I run out and my next batch isn't ready yet, I I like kind of panic a little bit and <laughs> count the days until it's ready. So kombucha is like my daily thing. Um, and man, it, in terms of the alcoholic stuff, it's a toss up between beer and cider. Um, beer I love because it's a little more complicated. Um, it's you kind of get into the nitty gritty of it and like it's um, it engages both my creative side and also my like mad scientist side. So I love that. But cider is also awesome. And cider is so easy. (laughs) Like cider, you just get yourself some apple juice, add some yeast and you let it go. Like there's no, there's not any of this complicated like mashing and temperature and like I, uh, there are so many different factors with beer that it, it can get complicated. It's fun, but it gets complicated. Yeah, I've had some Cider is just clean and fantastic, simple. and I have some that, you know, just did not work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think if you, with beer, if you know what you're doing, it's it's not like it's that hard. Like, it's definitely doable at home. But as a first project, like, if you've never made an alcoholic beverage before, I often try to steer people toward making cider. Like, beer is really kind of, like, flashy and cool and trendy right now, so everybody wants to make beer, but I try to be like, you know, maybe just start with cider. Like, learn the ropes, learn how fermentation works, learn how to sanitize your equipment and how the whole process works, and then, like, ease into beer. Like, you don't have to rush into it. And cider's delicious. Like, I actually, at the end of the day, if I just want something kind of light and clean to have with dinner, I often end up craving a cider these days. It used to be IPAs, now it's cider. <laughs> yeah, I used to love IPAs, and you know, I've switched over to cider myself because God hates me, and I came down with this stupid gluten allergy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's another good reason to like cider. Like, I have lots of friends who have, you know, celiacs, they're gluten sensitive, they're on the paleo diet, like, whatever. Like, for whatever reason, they can't eat gluten. Um, and cider kind of is the universal beverage. Everybody can drink cider. Um, and it's good. It's tasty. Yeah, and, and if you don't, you know, and I really enjoy pear cider these days. Uh, I'm, oh, quite, yeah. I'm, quite, I'm quite happy. My pear tree... Uh, they only produce every other year. My pear tree last year, we got nothing. This year, it's loaded. 
So I'm oh, you're going to be so I'm, happy. I'm sitting here counting the days to, yeah. yes. <laughs> the only thing with pear cider, I will tell you, is um, when, you're, um, when you're juicing those pears yourself, it, pears tend to get really pulpy and you get a lot of sediment in the, in the, in the bucket, in the fermentation bucket. And it just, it can be kind of a pain in the rear to try to like strain all of the, all of the solids out of it. Just do your best and try not to let it get to you. <laughs> um, it'll be, it'll be delicious no matter what. Yeah. And it's for, it's, it's mainly for home consumption and friends. So it's not, you know, yeah. if it's a little, if it's a little pulpy, they'll just have to get, you know, get over it. <laughs> yeah. It's all, I mean, it's like, it's, it's fiber and it's, you know, it's, it's probably healthy. It's all good. It's a fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what can go wrong? <laughs> exactly. So, Oh, so what else are you up to? Um, well, speaking of cider, I've got my new cider book coming out. Thank you for that layup that I can plug my book there. <laughs> um, uh, my new book, it's called Modern Cider, and it is out this August, I believe August 20th. Um, so you can go pre-order it pretty much anywhere that you buy books. And I have a copy in front of me right now, and it's beautiful. If I do say so myself, I'm pretty excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know the other thing we talked about was mead, and uh, oh, my, yeah, my, mead. My, my one fear with mead is the six-month layup time. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I mean, mead, mead and, and wine both, they just take a little time. I mean, honestly, most ferments do better with time. Like, the, the thing about a lot of these ferments, when you get into the alcoholic side of the ferments, is they often taste pretty darn good right away and so you think oh this is great it's perfect it's done like I'm just gonna drink it but you'll find that if as you let it sit on the shelf there for a little while it gradually improves like week by week and it's not it's not like a a linear line of improvement like it was awful before and now it's amazing it's more like it was good and now it's better and now it's really better and now it's amazing oh you know it just and it changes like the flavors like at first it'll start off tasting a little bit hot a little bit um unripe um it, if you can kind of try to imagine it's not a bad flavor but it's just a little bit you know it's 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 not mellow <laughs> and then it'll it will gradually mellow as the weeks and months go by um so with your mead that whenever you want to brew it i would suggest um putting up your bottles and then um hopefully you make a big enough batch this is the the downside of making the small batches is that you don't have a lot of bottles. But if you're making a big batch with all these, all the honey you're getting from your honeybees, um, just start tasting a bottle like once a week. Um, and you'll see how it changes. And I promise you'll enjoy the bottles from the very beginning. Um, but then you'll also get this like incredible perspective about how your mead is changing over time. And even like, if you can, this gets really hard, but if you can with mead, try to put a couple bottles away and then open them like every year at Christmas and just just see how they age over the years. Because I, I discovered a bottle of peach mead that I made when I was um, writing True Brews. So that was 2010. So seven years ago now, I discovered this when we moved into our new place and opened it up. I wasn't even sure if it would still taste good or if it will, if it would have turned into vinegar or what. And it was amazing. Like it was already amazing back when I like first <laughs> wrote the book and then this last bottle, it got, it just blew me away. So anyway, that's the, that's the fun part of, of all this fermentation stuff is. That's pretty cool. I didn't know it would keep that yeah. long. I figured it would go bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. Mead, mead will keep for forever, basically. Um, as long as you bottle it correctly and sanitize everything correctly, all that stuff. Like, mead will keep forever. Wine keeps for a really long time. Cider also keeps for a surprisingly long time, actually. Um, I usually tell people at least a year, but I've, again, I've had bottles that I've opened up like two, three, four years later, and they're still really, really delicious. Beer is a little different. Beer, um, most homebrew keeps for about a year. And then after that, you'll kind of start to see it just, uh, you'll, you'll just start to see it kind of lose its amazing flavor. Like it'll start to taste kind of dull. It'll pick up more off flavors and things like that. Um, and that's just because with beer, you've got a lot of factors going on in there and you often end up with, um, and by factors, I mean like, like you've got the grains, you've got the hops, like if you've added any flavoring spices, you got those in there, you got the yeast going on. There's just a lot in that bottle and you often end up with a lot of like tiny little particles of things in the bottle and sometimes those just after a while they break down and just don't taste as good anymore okay. um that makes sense. Yeah. yeah you got a lot going on a lot of things to go wrong <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean it, everything went right for a while but just it it just ma- it just means it doesn't keep for quite as long as um meat or wine or, or cider do um as those beverages do okay really cool so uh, one of the things I'm interested in, you know, what are some of the regulations around, you know, home brewing? I, I know you can't make moonshine at home. Yes, that's the one thing. You cannot you cannot distill your your own, you know, whiskey or gin. Like the, the government frowns upon that. Um, and that's both for, you know, they're, they want to collect taxes on it if you're making it, of course. Um, but it's all, there are also some health reasons why they want to control that, um, health and safety reasons. Um um, but with homebrew, with beer, wine, cider, all of that stuff, you can brew. Oh shoot, I should have had it. I should have looked it up before you called. I think it's up to fifty gallons per person per household, or maybe fifty gallons per person, and then a hundred gallons. Here it is. What do I say? A hundred gallons of homebrew per adult, or a maximum of two hundred gallons per household. Which honestly is a lot. A lot <laughs> if you're making that much, then you might as well just start your own brewery at that point. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a lot of booze. So okay, that's is and is that very state legal. by state or is that federal? Um, uh, it is regulated state by state, but it is now officially legal. <laughs> Watch, somebody will probably catch me, and, and I'll, I'll be wrong. But I'm like 99.9 percent sure that it's legal across all 50 states now. I think Mississippi was one of the last states to pass um, homebrew law to, to lift these laws about around homebrew. Um, so yeah, I think it's they, legal they, all over. I can't imagine that. I, can't. <laughs> I, think it, they, I mean, the thing is, with a lot of these homebrew laws, they were all tied up in um, a lot of a lot of the laws that were around the prohibition. So when the prohibition laws lifted, there were still some like leftover laws regulating homebrew that kind of never got addressed. And so it's just been in the last like 25 years with the work of dedicated homebrewers um, organizing themselves that they've addressed these kind of old outdated laws and, and gotten them lifted. So it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing actually. Yeah it's, yeah. it's very close. We seem to be in the middle of a, you know, a brewing revolution you know uh, yeah mass cable other people say you know beer is freedom and you know i see you know i live in virginia now and there's homebrew clubs everywhere and it's, mm-hmm. yeah it just seems to be growing by leaps and bounds yeah i think it's partly like 
you know, it's the legal restrictions are, are lifted completely now. Plus, um, ingredients and equipment are more available than ever. The internet makes it really easy to find and research recipes and find your community and ask, ask and answer questions and all that stuff. So I think it's this perfect storm of things that have come together to kind of create this momentum around it. It's a, it's exciting. It's a cool, it's a cool energy to, to have right now. No, I agree. It's yeah. Like I said, more and more people are, are, are sharing and meetups. I know uh, the home, you know, one of the homebrew clubs around here. I think they meet once a month and everybody trades beer. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything you uh, you want to share with the listeners about how to get started or what they should do? Um, I would just go back to what you said at the beginning here of our talk of. Um, Think about starting with a one-gallon recipe. It, it does seem, I know there is like this appeal of like, I want to go and get the huge equipment, the shiny equipment and brew these huge batches. But I think that when you're first starting out, just, just get yourself like a one-gallon bucket and a one-gallon jug and just tr- try home brewing. Um, it's, a really, it's, it's relatively inexpensive to start with that level of equipment. Um, the equipment's not that expensive. Um, yeah, I want to say the my first ingredients. Batch, my first yeah, batch from True Brew was, uh, I, I think I spent a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, um, you, a lot of times you can look around on Craigslist or just community forums and things like that. And <laughs> people will have a lot of brewing equipment just hiding out in their basement. And they're usually happy to <laughs> get rid of it <laughs> if you're looking for a, a cheap way to get into it. Um, but aside from the, beside the, uh, the cost of starting with a one gallon batch. I also just think it's more approachable and just a little easier. Like you're just dealing with less volume. There are less things that can go wrong. Um, you don't have to worry about lifting <laughs> like five gallons of liquid. I'm a small lady. It, I always have to have a buddy if I'm brewing more than a couple gallons at a time, but with one gallon, I'm totally fine. I can swing those jugs around and just, you know, like do everything by myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and you, you do create smaller amounts, obviously. You only get um, 10 bottle, about 10 bottles, um, 10, 12-ounce bottles out of a gallon, um, as opposed to about 50 bottles out of a five-gallon batch. Um, but the upside is you can brew more often, and then you have this nice variety of, of various beverages in your fridge at any time. Um, so, yeah, I would, just, I would recommend starting with one-gallon batches. Um, start with cider. Um, it's just a nice entry-level thing you don't even if you're starting with cider you don't even need like really fancy fresh pressed fresh from the orchard apples like that stuff's great if you can get it but you can also make a pretty darn fine batch of cider with just whatever apple juice you find at the supermarket um cider is very forgiving and very easy um and after that just have fun like don't don't worry too much about (laughs) like I don't know. Just don't worry too much. Just just have fun. Follow our recipe. Learn the ropes and and enjoy what you're doing. That's that's all I had to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for your time. Where can the listeners? Uh, you want to share your dot coms? Let them check. Oh, them sure, out. sure. Um, I am at uh, theboldbrewer.com is my brewing uh, website, and it's the bold brewer across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those various places. Um, come and find me. Well, that's it. That's that's me. Yep. All right, and we'll check out your new book when it comes out. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your time. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it, folks. That wraps up our interview with Emma Christensen. Please check out her books. I believe there's a natural link between alcohol and freedom. 
And as long as you know how to produce your own soda, kombucha, a nice fruit wine, or a nice apple cider, you'll always be invited to the party and you'll always have something to trade. Eventually you get good enough you can produce for yourself and maybe lobby the government so we can start making some bourbon and shine. I'm Jason Carrier. Until next time, live free and grow. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting RemsoRepublic.com.